goal and objective of this podcast is to make you, the listener, uh, our number one guest. That means any voice messages, any phone calls, you guys will always be the main priority week in and week out during this show. Um, What we strive to talk about is everything sports, mainly focusing on hockey and basketball. This is a Canadian podcast, those are the two most important sports. We will typically talk about golf, football when it's football season, all things sports. Um, In today's episode, we typically just want to go over the rules, what this is going to end up shaping up to be, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the NHL. Playoffs are starting to ramp up in the NHL. Uh, things are starting to get good. And I might have some spicy takes, so tune in, stick around for that. Um, now it's just time to sit back, relax, enjoy, as I now explain the podcast. So typically, this podcast, uh, it's going to be geared towards you guys. So this first episode, obviously, no fans, nobody's really listening. Uh, we understand that, so we're going to continue to talk about other things, but in the future, we're going to have a week, so this podcast is going to run on a Saturday-Sunday basis, where on Saturday, we're going to have a week discussion with you guys, talking about anything else but things sports, you guys are going to have the platform, and it's going to wrap up the Monday to Friday, and then typically, because a lot of sports happen on a Saturday, especially in hockey and basketball, then we're going to have a Saturday wrap-up wrap up on Sunday, uh, where we talk about everything that happened on Saturday, and then moving forward. That's going to be a big prediction day, uh, a big discussion of what's going to happen, rather than summing up what did happen on the Saturday, on that Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's basi- basically going to be it. Uh, I'm your host, Williams and Nuke. We will have some in-person guests coming along the way, if anybody decides to. It's not really something that we're striving towards because, again, our main host is you guys. Um, but there might be other people joining in the future. We shall see. Uh, in the future, we'd love to do this live. We think that this format would work a lot better live on YouTube. So, hey, if you could listen in, give us a like, share. I don't really know how uh, Anchor podcasts work, but it's um, uh, yeah, I mean, it would go a long way because. In the end, we're doing this for you guys. We want you guys to be the Stephen A. Smith. We want you guys to be the Bob McKenzie, uh, Jim Duffy at the end of the day, making these outrageous <laughs> takes and leaving your opinions. This is what the Iron Athletics podcast is all about. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's get into the first topic here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fresh sheet, right? So can't really do much else than that, right? Uh, we're going to be talking about the NHL here. NHL's second round is just coming to a close. I believe Vegas and Colorado is the last series still standing in the second round. But last night, Boston Bruins were eliminated. And I gotta say, in my opinion, I mean, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I knew it five years ago. I knew it now. This New York Islanders team is legit. I don't care what anybody says. Their fourth seed, I almost feel like they did it on purpose, uh, just to make a point. This team is not built for the regular season, and people keep judging it towards their regular season performance. This team is built for the playoffs. Barry Trotz, Lula Morello, they, they're not idiots. 
like, you know, I'm, I got the line up right in front of me here. And the way I see it is to win a formula, the formula to win a Stanley Cup champion uh, caliber team right now, it's not two elite centermen, an elite defender, and an elite goaltender. That's what it used to be. Those were the standards 10, 15 years ago. You look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, Chicago Blackhawks, that's what they had. They had two elite centermen, an elite defenseman, or at least two elite forwards. It doesn't have to be centermen, but at least two elite forwards that they played on separate lines. An elite defenseman, and then an elite goaltender. Used to be the formula, but this league is too talented now. There's too many good young players. That's just a matter of the fact. That's no longer good enough. Because if it was, then we would be, we'd be talking about how the Chicago Blackhawks are still a great team. We'd be talking about how the freaking Vancouver Canucks should be winning Stanley Cups right now, if that was the case. But it's not. The fact of the matter is, is that it takes four lines of scoring. Okay, it takes defensive defensemen that could move the puck out of the zone, and it takes a hot goalie. No longer elite but a hot goal. That's, that's simply been the formula in the past couple of seasons, and it's going to continue this season. Nothing's changed enough for that to change. Or sorry, no, nothing's evolved enough for that to change. I look at the four lines in New York, forward core, they have that. Komarov, Barzell, Everly, check. Beauvillier, Nelson, Bailey, check. Palmieri, Pajot, Zajac. That's been the hottest line, and that's their third line. So, absolutely check. And that fourth line, although it's not scoring, it's pure defense, it's pure toughness. They move these three guys in and out of all the other lines, and they still find ways to get it done, which is Matt Byrne, Casey Zizekas, and Kyle Clutterberg. I don't care if that's not a great scoring line. They can skate, they can check, they can play defense, they play the penalty kill, they're the type of guys that you would typically want on a fourth line. If you can't have the scoring, this is a definitely a very, very good substitution. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that there's only one borderline superstar on that uh, top 12, but I'm sorry. I mean, that's just straight up good. That's just a good, solid forward court. I mean, you, you got that. Looking down the defensive side... Adam Pellich, Brian Pulock, Nick Letty, Scott Mayfield, Andy Green, and Noah Dobson. I know Green isn't in his prime anymore. I understand that he's not fantastic, but you have to admit, when he's playing with a young buck like Noah Dobson, he looks a lot better. Adam Pellich, Brian Pulock, these are solid defensive defensemen who can what? Oh yeah, move the puck out of their zone. That's the biggest thing from the defensive pairing. That was what's, that's what was wrong in Toronto. That's what's wrong in Vancouver. And a bunch of other teams that had high expectations is that their defensemen couldn't move the puck out of the zone. They relied too much on the forwards to do that. When simply, you know, I, I look at the game of hockey similar to the game of rugby in the way that there's a plane that has to be broken. And what's the best way to do that? Well, to move the puck quickly by passing. We all know this, right? But what we don't know is that you need your forwards up and skating in order to make that happen. So if your defenseman can be quicker, stronger to the puck, 
and be more accurate while you're all three forwards are attacking the other opponent's defenseman, then you're gonna have a better chance of breaking the plane. And once you break the plane, then you then you've created space, and then you're goal essentially, right? That's the way I look at it. I'd love to hear your guys' opinion. Obviously, uh, again, this is what the whole podcast is about, but I don't know, man. I look at this Islanders team, and it's exactly what I expected them to do five years ago. Very happy for my sake that this team is winning. And the other thing that we look in sports is, you know, that David and Goliath story. And the Islanders have that right now. I don't know if it was last year, but I do know at least two years ago, they made the third round. They were here again. They're here now again. No, this has been their biggest struggle. It hasn't been first round like Toronto. It hasn't been second round like other teams. It's been this third round. They can't get past this third round. And usually when teams break that seal, well, they end up typically going all the way. I look at, you know, Tampa Bay is the best example of that one. They couldn't get past that first, second round. They finally broke through that last year and they won the cup, right? Um, this third round has been their Achilles heel as far as I can remember. You know, they're here again. I don't know if they might have played Tampa Bay last time in the third round. If they did, I mean, frick, Bob's your uncle, am I right? This is what they've always wanted. This is this is the match that the Islanders, as an organization and franchise, would have wanted. To me, this is the best case scenario for them. Because, again, they need to get past that hump. Who else would be better to play in the third round than the Tampa Bay Lightning? I mean, they're the defending Stanley Cup champs, for God, Christ's sake, right? So, you know, the story's right in itself here for the Islanders, you know what I mean? They, you know, maybe it's not this year, but I mean, jeez, like, they've looked, they've looked fantastic. They've looked impressive. They're playing as a team, and you gotta remember, too, I mean, Anders Lee is, you know, he is injured. That team's going to have motivation because of that. The Islanders are going to want to win for their captain. You know, I don't see Tampa Bay having any sort of motivation like that. Uh, they had it last year with Stamkos. Stamkos had that famous two minutes on the ice where he score, scored that goal. The team was able to rally around that. Other teams in the past have had that. I could think of the Boston Bruins in 2011 around Nathan Horton. They had that sort of... Uh, fire and uh, to the towards them well the islanders have that this year <laughs> this is the point i'm trying to get i mean i truly believe that the new york islanders are the team to beat right now and this isn't recency bias like i mentioned uh, you know I, I thought of this five years ago i thought that the choices and the moves that they had to make in order to get here they've done exactly that so naturally i'm going to support them You know, I, I'd i love to hear your guys' thoughts on the Islanders here, but, I mean, they've had a great season, and, like, the depth, the teamwork, it, it, it's 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 truly remarkable and phenomenal. Andres Lee, before injury, had 19 points in 27 games, 12 November goals. Gabriel Pajot, 28 points, 54 games. Anthony Bovillier, 28 points in 47 games. Nick Letty, defenseman, 31 points in 56 games. Everly, 33, Brock Nelson, 33, Bailey, 35, Barzell, 45. The point is, 
Sure, okay, this is not an exciting team. Sure, okay, they're missing a superstar. Barzell's the best that they got. But defensively, this team is in check. Three lines of scoring, four lines of scoring, this team has that. This team is built for the playoffs. Although Tampa Bay is obviously built for the playoffs because they won the Stanley Cup last year. So I'm not here to discredit that, but the Islanders have more of a fire, more of a flame, less pressure. You know, I look at the other teams, Montreal, okay, Montreal doesn't have pressure. They're just excited. They're just happy to be here. So it's not Montreal. Montreal is uh, not in the same boat as the island or the Tampa Bay, sorry. But then you look at Vegas, Colorado, whoever gets out there. I, yeah, they got some They got some pretty big pressure. Colorado has the best expectations to win the cup via everybody, almost. Like, I look at the odds, it's Colorado the entire way. Excuse me if I said Vegas, I meant Colorado. But Vegas too, right? I mean, they've been contending ever since their inaugural year. The fans want one, right? The fans in Vegas would like to see a Stanley Cup. Because again, they're they're a veteran team, right? They got some uh, they got some good guys: Pacioretty, Stone, Marchezzo, Petrangelo, Stanley Cup winner, right? So, Mark Andre Fleury, probably the best veteran that they have on that squad. There's pressure in these other three organizations, minus uh, minus Montreal. Sorry, so yeah, but you know. Vegas, Colorado, we don't know which one's going to move on just yet. That's going to happen tonight. I am recording this Thursday, June 10th, as of 11.24 Eastern Standard. So, you know, I'm doing this uh, recording before the game. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Um, but nonetheless, teams that are still technically in, those three franchises, they got a lot of pressure to perform. The Islanders, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the media pushing them. I know the fans are excited, I know that the fans have been wanting one, but I haven't seen that same pressure from the fan base, from the media, as I have had seen for Tampa Bay, Colorado, and Vegas. I don't live in New York, I don't know, I'm just here in Ontario, chilling, uh, so maybe there is that narrative. I-, I feel like if I saw it more for the Rangers than I did the actual Islanders, but I don't know. I could be mistaken. Um, that being said, you know, I think the... I, I, I just think that they're the best team going into this third round right now. I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. It's good. Don't get me wrong. They, you know, they have that formula. Four lines of scoring. Andre Palat, Braden Point, Kucherov. You got that. Kalorn, Shirelli, Stamkos. You got that. Goudreau... Gord Coleman, yeah, you got that. Ross Colton, Tyler Johnson, Patrick Maroon. That's a little bit shakier, but you know it's still it's still there. Patrick Maroon can score the big goals. He's shown that. Ross Colton has looked actually quite good, uh, and Tyler Johnson. I mean, in his past, he's been able to do that. So, who's to say that in a big moment he couldn't do it as well, right? The thing that kind of scares me a little bit is the defensive side. It's a good defensive core, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I truly do believe that the Islanders is better. Edman, arguably best defenseman in the league. I'm not denying that, but he's only one guy. Uh, Jan Ruda, 
Okay, that's um as the second defensive pairing or the main defensive pairing to Hedman. I understand what they're trying to do. You have three good defensemen, so you, you know they're trying to split them up here. But Jan Ruda, you know he's 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 playable. Ryan McDonough, don't really have a problem with him. Uh, Eric Eric Shearnack, don't really have a problem with him. Uh, he's actually looked quite good this year. Mikhail Sergachev, okay, he's fine. Defensively, I think he still lacks a little bit, but he's young, so I'm not going to harp on him for that. But I'm just saying one-on-one comparison is what we're talking about right now. Uh, and then David Savard, I'm not a huge fan of him, but he's looked okay in Tampa, so I'm not going to rape on him that much. Compared to the Islanders, however, the Islanders' defensive core plays more as a unit. They're able to play harder as a more physically. They're able to play longer. And they're bigger. So, yeah, no, I'm taking Islanders' defensive core on this one. It, to me, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. Again, McDonough, Hedman... Alright, those are those are two very good defensemen. Eric Shirnak is fine. David Savard is okay. And Sergeyev's fine. Sergeyev's very, very good for the power play. Uh, you know, if he did play that first defensive pair with Hedman, I think I'd be a bit better. But again, I understand why they're splitting up the three, three defensemen. I totally get it. But, you know, I, I look at the top four in, in New York and overall it's just better. I mean, Nick Letty has really proven himself this year that he's... No, he's still here. He's still very good. Again, 31 points in 56 games. I don't know how that could be looked at as bad. A minus three, but we all know that the plus-minus metric is a little bit shaky. I, I You know, I'm not saying that it's it can it can be overlooked, but I'm also saying at the same time... This is still a very good team, and he's still a very good defenseman. Pelgrim Pulak, I mean, you know, if you want to say that Hedman Ruda defensive line one is better, I get your point of view because Victor Hedman is just that good, but I'm taking Pelgrim Pulak. I, you know, I, as a coach, I would rather have two of them than one of them, right? Even though they're both not even close to Hedman's caliber. At least Pelgrim Pulak collectively playing as a unit could lock up Kucherov, which then leaves just brain point. Yeah, that's very possible. And then Letty and Mayfield, well, first off, we gotta talk about Scott Mayfield because what a season he has had defensively. I mean, he has looked like the, the top five pick or whatever the frick he was whenever they picked him up. And yeah, Scott Mayfield has looked legit this year. Uh, second round, so I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Hickey, I think, was that top 5 or top 10 pick, but Hickey's no longer there, so excuse me on that, but no, like, Scott Mayfield has looked very, very solid. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, again, I'm looking at McDonough Shearnack. In this circumstance, I would probably take McDonough Shearnack just because McDonough is more uh, complete than Nick Letty, I think especially at these parts of their career. Mayfield's better than Shuna, but I think it's too insignificant to look at, uh, to, you know, make any sort of argument for the Letty-McDonough um, comparison. 
So I, I'm just going to slightly take that McDonald's Unix pairing, but you still have to consider that there will be games that Letty and Mayfield will be a better pairing than McDonough's Unix, right? And Andy Green, Noah Dobson, Sergio Savard, Dobson, underrated. At this point of time, I think Dobson's a better defenseman than Sergio and Andy Green Savard. It's honestly a toss-up. I think Andy Green's looked fine. I think he's looked okay. Um, David Savard has been a little bit more active for his team, but you know that's come to a you know come to a cost at some points. So, anywho, that's that subject. That's that topic on the Islanders and Tampa Bay. A uh, little preview, little matchup there. I'm saying Islanders in six. I could honestly see Islanders in five in this one, but I'm going to say six. I think Tampa Bay is not going to go down that easy. But ultimately, I think, yeah, no, I think the Islanders are a better team in this one. And then I think that they're going to go on and win the Stanley Cup because this is their Goliath moment to get past the third round, not only get past the third round, but to get past the current best team in the NHL. It's just going to, you know, it's going to keep building on that momentum. I mean, they took down the top dog in the division. Check. They took down one of the best teams in the NHL via the Boston Bruins. Check. What's next? Tampa Bay. That's the other thing. I mean, they haven't had an easy road. And they've been quite consistent. That's my opinion. That's my thoughts on the Islanders. We're going to move on here to another topic. Alright, so moving forward here to the next topic, we're going to continue with hockey. Um, In this one, we're going to be talking about the draft a little bit. So, the draft lottery obviously just happened. Uh, We know that Buffalo's going to be taking number one. Um, Hold on, just give me one sec. Alright, that's much better. So, I just had to get the uh, entire top 15 in front of me uh, so I can see the order. Uh, It makes it better for me and better for you guys, so... Um, Buffalo number one, Seattle number two, Anaheim number three, New Jersey number four, and Columbus number five. Uh, so that's your top five order. You've known this, um, but as a as a scout, as somebody who's active in the NHL prospects uh, community, you know I, I like watching these players. I like doing my due diligence on the draft, trying to figure out any gems, uh, hidden gems, and these uh, potential busts, potential booms. It's just something I um, I enjoy doing with my time. It's something I'll always enjoy doing with my time. So in front of me here, I've got Sportsnet's Top 32. I've got Draft Prospects, Hockey's Top 32, and EliteProspect.com's Top 32. Uh, if you want to find any of this information, you just got to head over to EliteProspects.com, click on the Draft Center, uh, and then you've got all the affiliate rankings right there, plus Elite Prospects. Um, it's a really, really great website if you're into uh, prospects and basically just overall world hockey. Uh, you're likely going to find it on this site. Uh, and hey, I mean, if you're a AAA player, you'll likely find yourself on this site. So um, enough of the little mini plug there. I, I wanted to s- discuss this year's draft because, in my opinion, this is going to be another fairly deep draft. I mean, they all kind of are. Hockey's a pretty growing sport for athletes-wise. I know that the viewership's not quite there, but we're getting more and more players playing every single year, so the sport itself is doing something right in that regard. 
Uh, and again, the players keep getting better and better every single year uh, out of this draft. That being said, we have a little bit of a bump in the road of that upper trajectory, in my opinion. That doesn't mean that we're not going to obviously produce any, any NHL players from this draft. I definitely think that there's going to be some players here that are they're going to be some big surprises uh, and some guys that none of us are even talking about who are, who are going to end up uh, becoming full-time NHLers likely. Uh, it's what happens every year in every draft. Uh, but I wanted to look at these three because I know that they're likely the most credible. Uh, and again, Elite Prospects is helping out with this week segment of the podcast. So I figured I'd look at theirs. Also, I view them as very credible. Uh, they seem to know what they're talking about in all of the uh, bios that I've read on any sort of prospects over the past five, six years. So, uh, the consensual number one overall pick uh, seems to be Owen Power. Uh, both Sportsnet and Draft Prospects Hockey Top 32 has them, has Owen Power at number one. And uh, Elite Prospects actually has Matthew Benya at number one. I gotta kind of side with elite prospects here somewhat. Um, I don't believe Owen Power is the best player in this draft. I think he's very good. I think his upside is definitely justifiable for going number one. I mean, the kid is, what, 6'6", 6'5"? He's 6'5", 214 pounds. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty insane for any defenseman, right? if he's got the hands and the uh, ability, uh, and the ability to um, move the puck, like he's able to, I mean, yeah, you know, teams are gonna want to take a shot on that shot for that any single chance that they can get. So I understand justifying him at number one. Uh, I'm not trying to argue that he shouldn't go number one, but I just am trying to argue that he's not the best player currently. Doesn't mean that, in my opinion, the best player should go number one though. Um, you know, he's quick, he's, he, he's, uh, relatively good with his hands, his decision-making is a little bit troublesome, you know, I saw him a couple times, probably not making the, the worst play, but there's definitely a better play if he just took the time, that, you know, that's gonna get better as time goes on, and if he's in the right system, they'll be able to help him out with that, um, Buffalo, uh, but no, yeah, Owen Power, number one, I get it. Matthew Benya, number one. That, to me, is a no-no. You don't pick Matthew Benya, number one. He's a great player. Uh, he's a scrappy guy. The skill uh, and the finesse kind of lacks to some other forwards. But the heart, the speed, uh, the IQ is definitely there with Matthew Benya. Uh, so if you're looking for a middle six center, Matthew Benier is going to be your guy, but, you know, I don't think any team should be settling on a middle six center number one. That's just in my opinion. You had a good season in Michigan, but you have to remember, and you have to consider this. Michigan had, this year, Benier, Power, Johnson, Luke Hughes, and uh, Zachary Portillo, I believe is his name. Something Portillo, the goalie. I mean, shit, that's... That's a really good team. Uh, they didn't obviously win the Frozen Four. I know that, but I mean, these are guys. You know, Luke Hughes, top ten. Kent Johnson, top ten. Owen Power, top ten. Matthew Penny, top ten. We have to take the good team 
into some sort of consideration. That's the way I look at it. That's why, in my opinion, I wouldn't pick any University of Michigan guy first. I just, I just couldn't. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because you don't really know how good these guys are. I mean, yeah, you, you could get an understanding, but again, they're playing on a really good team. Once you put them on a really bad team, or you put them in a situation where they're no longer the top guy, how are they going to react to that? That's what I always try to think of. Alright, number two, I don't want to spend too long, we're not going to go all 32. Uh, we could finish uh, in the next episode if it's something that you guys want, but in this episode we're not going to go all 32. We're going to likely look at the top 10, uh, and then we'll call it an episode there, but number two... William Eklund is where Elite Prospects lands. Mason McTavish for uh, NHL Central Scouting. And Matthew Beignet for Sportsnet. So the consensus is that a forward is going to go number two. um, Solely because Seattle has the pick. And I get it. You want to get a franchise guy with your first pick. Number two. That's where you're going to get a center. I get that. It's, you know, to me, this isn't really the draft where I I would want to pick a forward if I'm, if I'm Seattle, at least. Any other team, you could probably pick forward here because you've got a history, you've got something that you could build off of, uh, especially, you know, if it's Anaheim, for example. I mean, Anaheim's been building a forward uh, farm for a while now, right? But for Seattle... I think you kind of have to take advantage of the defenseman in this draft. I mean, that's the way I look at it, especially because of the next two drafts that are coming up. I mean, next year alone, we're going to have Brad Lambert, Shane Wright, uh, Matthew Savoie, uh, Justin Cott. Um, I know I'm probably forgetting some guys. Yurik Slavlowski, I think, is in next year's draft. These are all forwards. That's pretty. There, there's your top five right there, you know what I mean? Uh, potentially, right? Uh, I haven't personally watched that much into next year. I just know Shane Wright and um, Brad Lambert. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if I'm Seattle, I'm, I'm looking to take advantage of the defenseman more than the offenseman. And I think taking William Eklund, as much as I love William Eklund, I think he's going to be a great player. You don't pick him second. Uh, you know, like, if, they, if they're able to get Matthew Benier at second, okay, that's, I, I just, I don't like it. Mason McTavish, I, I do actually like that too. If they were to go for a center, in my opinion, they should go for Mason McTavish. He's a, like, what, 6'2", 6'3"? He's 6'2", 207 pounds. He's a big boy. He had a great uh, Q17 outing uh, this year, and he, he looks to be very, very good moving forward. I, I wouldn't mind that, um, but in my opinion, you have to go defenseman. The defenseman I I like the most in this uh, in this draft is Simon Edmondson. I I could totally see him going there. So uh, that's what I see for number two. Okay, so moving on to number three, let's look at uh, NHL Central scouting first. They got Kent Johnson at three. Uh, Sportsnet has Brant Clark at three. And Elite Prospects has Brandt Clark at three. Uh, the team picking at three is Anaheim. So, yeah, I, I see Anaheim taking advantage of a defenseman here as well. They just picked up Jamie Jaisdale. They got 
so freaking lucky to get Jamie Drysdale last year. Yeah, I, I see them taking full advantage of the fact that they got Jamie Drysdale to really, really make an elite defensive core moving forward. Uh, at three is where I would likely see uh, Brant Clark ending up. Uh, especially if Edmondson goes second, like I think he should. Uh, Brant Clark should go three. We could potentially see a one, two, three defenseman. Because um, Buffalo should pick defensemen, and it's likely going to be Owen Power, like it or not. Um, Seattle should also pick defense, considering the future drafts coming up. And then, yeah, I mean, Anaheim should also be in on that. Uh, and I, I could totally see Brant Clark here. I think Brant Clark is a, a great, uh, great defenseman who really sums up what it is to be a two-way defenseman. Uh, he's got some great, uh, great hands. Honestly, it's a very, very underrated piece of that uh, Don Mills Flyers team with Shane, Shane Wright, Liam Armsby, Brennan Hoffman, uh, Brent Clark. You know, I, back back in the OHL draft, I, I did see some scouts suggesting that he was the best player on that team. I, I think it's a no-brainer that he should honestly probably go two or three in his drafts. Um, great hands, great great hockey IQ, able to make the right play consistently. Um, he's good at checking too for somebody with that amount of skill. Brant Clark, to me, is probably going to be the best prospect out of this pool. But I don't actually think he's the best player coming out of this draft right away. I do think that is still Simon Edmondson. I think that is the reason why I would have him at two rather than three. When I look at Seattle, they would likely want a prospect who they can move into the into the team sooner rather than later. I think Brent Clark's still a year or two out, much like a much like Bowen Byron would be probably the best comparison to that. So moving to number four here. Um, Elite prospects, that's where they have Owen Power. That's where I would have Owen Power. This is why I wanted to add Elite Prospects, because this is definitely the list that uh, I agree with the most. Sportsnet has Simon Evanson at four, which I think is reasonable. And NHL Central Scouting has Luke Hughes at four. So, again, this is a defensive-heavy draft. That's just another sign uh, that this draft is a little bit weaker when you got a lot of defensemen in the top five. Um, or coming in and out of the top five, at least. I know on some some lists, Hughes is a little bit lower, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, if, if it's not going to be Vancouver, uh, who's not going to pass up on Luke, New Jersey, how, how do they pass up on another Hughes brother, right? So I, I see if New Jersey picking him up just for that sake alone. I, also, in my opinion, New Jersey won't really benefit from any of these forwards. I mean, Dylan Gunther wouldn't be a bad idea because they could use some wingers there. Um, although I don't think he's anything to write home about. I'd rather take the risk at, for Fabian Lysel at four, which I could honestly see happening. Fabian Lysel is a treat to watch, especially this year. He was quite enjoyable this year. Uh, but no, I mean, I... I, I I'm definitely going to go with a popular decision here. I would want to see Luke Hughes in a New Jersey Devils or Vancouver Canuck jersey, so I'm going to go with four on him there. 
Uh, number five elite prospects has Mason McTavish. Um, Sportsnet at five has Dylan Gunther, and North American Central Scouting has Dylan Gunther at five too. So the consensus is Dylan Gunther at five. Um, you have to remember too, right? I'm looking at, uh, you know, I'm looking at a Canadian biased here. OHL definitely does play a big part in Sportsnet's rankings. I would imagine. Again, they're a me- they're a media show, right? Like. Yeah, there's some truth to this, there's some seriousness to this, but at the end of the day, Sportsnet is here to write articles, to put on a show. They literally put on a show, right? They're a broadcasting company, so having an OHL guy, or CHL guy, sorry, my apologies, I meant CHL, in the top five would be something that uh, Sportsnet would want. I don't know the whole story about North American Central Scouting, maybe they do think he's the fifth best player. He had a very, very good WHL season. Um, for sure, he is a top 10 talent, especially in this year's draft. Gunther's going to benefit the most for being in this draft rather than any other draft that he could have been in, potentially. Because, um, again, I see him as a fringe top 6 type player. Uh, he is quite big. I believe he's 6'2". He's 6'1", my apologies, 180 pounds. He's got a great length on him. He's got a long stride to escape. Uh, the release could, you know, obviously it's not NHL quality, but he's not an NHL player just yet, right? So uh, the release in his shot can definitely have some work. Uh, I mean, he's a fairly high IQ player. He's he's not going to be making too many mistakes. I mean, two points per game in the WHL kind of represents that, right? So... Uh, I think Dylan Genther is definitely one of the safest picks because you know he's going to make the NHL almost, right? Uh, it's just how, how great is that ceiling? And it, and it can go fairly high. I could see it going fairly high, but I'm not willing to bet uh, a top five pick on it. Definitely six, though. I would be very comfortable picking Gunther around six. Uh, moving on to, to the six pick, speaking of the six pick, uh, Jesper Wallstedt is on the Elite Prospects number 6 ranking. Uh, Kent Johnson for Sportsnet and Matthew Beignet for North American Skaters. So, you know, this is, again, playing into this draft here. There is not a single player who's in the same spot for all three. You know, we just don't know. We don't know who's going to go first, even though everybody's saying one power. We don't know who's going to be top five. We don't know who the risers and followers are going to be. This is going to be one of the most exciting drafts because of this. That's how I see it. I think it's going to be a low trading affair, unlike last year, because last year was so much deeper and more talented, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, the actual picks themselves are going to be entertaining because there there is going to be somebody here who's going to tumble. My bet is on Matthew Benier, um, but we'll see, right? Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, so at six, you know, there's three different players I gotta talk about here. So I'll talk about them all a little, uh, just very briefly here. Uh, Jesper Wallstedt is a very good goaltender. He had a phenomenal season in, in the SHL. Uh, so the actual true league, he played with Fabio Mysel, which is a little bit interesting. But Wallstedt in the U20s, uh, he played and he looked phenomenal. 
I, I think he's quite legit. I think he's probably one of the better goaltenders uh, coming in in the recent years. I, and that is including Spence Knight and Askarov. I am taking them into account here. Uh, I think I think he's right up there with these guys. Uh, he'll definitely be a faller because at six we're looking at Detroit. And Detroit, you know, to their credit, they might take goalie this year. I could totally see it happening. But if a guy like Edmondson falls, if a guy like Luke Hughes falls, or should I say, if a guy like Brent Clark falls, is, in my opinion, the biggest, you know, asterisk, or exclamation mark, my bad. You know, if something like that falls, I don't see how Detroit can pass up to take a goalie over those guys, right? Is kind of like how you end up justifying Jesper Wallstedt dropping here. Uh, in this draft, because then you look at San Jose, okay, San Jose could truly use a goaltender, but again, like, they're a newly rebuilding team, they need pieces, and whilst that's going to be a great piece for anybody, but, yeah, I, I think it's more likely that Wallstad will drop to 8 to LA, that's where LA needs the most work, is goaltending, and other teams need more work in other places before goaltender. But six, I could see him going there. Kent Johnson, I mean, look, this guy is a playmaker. This guy can make the Dotsukia move um, with an asterisk because obviously nobody can do it as well as he can. But he can make those type of plays, which makes him a very exciting player. Again, I can't help but think that he's on the University of Michigan, what that might mean to his actual capabilities. But six, six for Ken Johnson is going to be relatively safe. Anywhere in that low top set, top ten is where I kind of expect him to fall. Because, yeah, I think this is going to be more of a draft where teams are going to pick their player rather than playing the, picking the best player, if that makes sense. And then Matthew Benier, we already kind of talked about him. So uh, we'll move on to number seven here. Elite Prospects has Fabian Lysel. Sportsnet has William Eklund. And... Skaters in North America. I just realized this is North America, so this is an NA final ranking. Uh, but whatever, we'll talk about it anyways. <laughs> Episode 1, we are here. Rookie mistake. What can we do, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, number 7, Brand Clark. So there you go. Um, I I really like uh, at 7, Fabian Lysel. I think Lysel's going to be a huge rise in this draft. Uh, he's got some speed and wowzers does he have a wicked shot the slap shot wrist shot it's all it's all kind of there obviously obviously he's gonna have to work on the release speed make it nhl caliber Uh, but the power is absolutely there as far as i can tell Uh, the ability to put himself in the right spot is there so his offensive uh, awareness is quite good for a low top 10 pick Ultimately, I see him as a top five talent uh, in this year's draft because he, he'll definitely have that capability where you can switch him to center. Uh, he's big enough. He's quick enough. He's smart enough on the offensive zone that he, you can likely do that with Lysel, which I think teams are going to see value in that and potentially pick him a bit higher than seven. Uh, seven is the highest he's ranked, but again, we're looking at North America ranking here, so... He's not going to show up on that one, of course. But out of the other two, seven is the highest he's ranked. Uh, you, you know, you might have a Elias Patterson uh, 
opportunity here in Fabian Lysol. If you missed out on Patterson, a team might want to consider Lysol because he's 5'10", 170, so he's similar similar uh, frame of a Patterson. Slightly smaller, but, but he's a little bit bigger, so... Well, not anymore, but you know you know what I mean. Come the draft, uh, he was definitely a lot bigger than Pedersen on draft night. Number eight, Gunther. Four late prospects. Luke Hughes for Sportsnet. And Brennan Hoffman for Skaters in North America by NHL Central Scouting. I'd like to talk about Brennan Hoffman here because he played pretty good in the Swiss League. 16 points in 34 games. Not really getting talked a lot about. Um, he did kind of drop off because he wasn't able to have an OHL season. But, I mean, he, he did show his worth. Uh, in the other two uh, uh, two lists, he's sitting, sitting 21 and 31. This could be a pretty, pretty high riser, potentially. I know I'm kind of saying everybody is, but... I think he's a lot less likely to rise than others, but I could still see it happening. Uh, on another list I have up here, just to see the teams, this is on my NHLDraft.com. I like it because it's visually appealing. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with the rankings that often, but my NHL Draft has him at 24. Uh, so yeah, he's going to be a lower um, first-round pick. He's got a he's got a super great IQ. I mean, you have to have that when you're playing with a superstar player like Shane Wright. You look at any winger who ends up playing with these superstar players. It's not because they're the most talented. It's not because they're they're the best option. It's because their IQ into their ability to make that superstar player even better and bring him to their absolute highest level is uncanny over other wingers, you know, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, that is exactly what Taze was, or is, to Patrick Kane, uh, even though he's a center winger, it's still that same, still that same uh, duo, right, so that's what Brendan Othman's going to bring to the team, I think that's why any late pick is going to be ecstatic to pick him up, because he's got that potential to be a first-line winger, despite not being first-line caliber winger. If that makes any sense, you guys let me know. I could definitely explain myself a bit more, but that's that's what kind of Brennan Hoffman brings to the table. And then of course, you know he's he's, he's got a pretty good shot. Uh, his skating isn't the best, but it's definitely it's looked a lot better since his minor hockey days. Uh, and you know he's definitely put on the pounds too. I think that was a little bit of a concern back in minor hockey, uh, and kind of moving forward is his maturity. He's now 6 feet, 174 pounds. You know, he doesn't really need to do that anymore. He still needs to continue to improve, but he's not a little man anymore, right? So, uh, looking at number 9, Simon Edmondson for Elite Prospects, uh, Mason McTavish for Sportsnet, and Matthew Coronado for... NHL Central Scouting Top 32 North American. Again, the third list is North American. That's my bad. Big rookie mistake, but I'm not going to be able to comment on Coronado other than the fact that the dude had 48 goals in 51 games for the Chicago Steel, and that I know that the Chicago Steel won their championship in the league. 85 points total, too, for Coronado. So, 
yeah, that's that's pretty exciting uh, saying that. But again, I can't really comment on him that much. Uh, as for McTavish, we've kind of talked about him. Edmondson, I'll explain why I have him ranked so high. Because I haven't really been able to do that just yet. So, Simon Edmondson is the guy, in my opinion, who's the most ready for the NHL. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about his decision-making as being worse than Owen Powers. That's just because I think he's been utilized poorly. Or not, I shouldn't say poorly, but in the wrong way. And we're looking at him the wrong way. We want him to be this big, puck-moving, two-way slash offensive defenseman. And he can't be that in the future. There's no reason why he couldn't. But he is more of a shutdown style of defenseman. I would want him playing back, not necessarily touching the puck as often until he's in the offensive zone, but if you could pair him up with a Tyson Berry, if you could pair him up with, I'm trying to use teams, like Buffalo, Rasmus Dahlin, he can do that, right? He does that. If you pair him up with Dahlin, I mean, freak, man, like you've got something big there. You don't let him touch the puck as much while he's still developing and still getting used to the NHL. And then in his fifth, sixth season, when he's developed that confidence, now you've got something special. Now you've got something scary. Because then the shutdown capability is always going to be worked on. It's always going to be there, especially if that's what you make the number one priority with Edmondson. And then when you end up adding in that better decision-making, that ability to be able to move the puck forward, like, he's got that offensive capability. It's just that transitional capability from defense to offense that kind of lacks. He's got the defense, and he's got the offense. It's just linking them almost together is what is missing in Edmondson's game. To me, that's exciting enough to want to pick him to. To me, he's big enough, he's ready enough that you could probably wait one season, sign him to an ELC, Play him in Rochester, play him wherever he ends up playing in the AHL for a year. Let him develop, let him get comfortable, more uh, primed to the North American ice. And then, yeah, I mean, I think he's probably a year out from the NHL town. And five, six years in the NHL, you're looking at a headman level. Uh, like, I truly think he could be a headman's type of defenseman here, is what we're looking at. And that poor decision, it, it doesn't really scare me because it's not that he's unable to make any good decisions. It's that he's, he's just not slowing the game down yet. He's not being patient enough. Once that comes, I mean, this guy this guy's better than Owen Power in all the other areas. It's just that that definitely does hurt a lot more compared to Owen Power, his decision-making skill, which is why I think he's ranked low. Excuse me, low. But that's my reasoning. That's that's what I want to talk about, Simon Edmondson. I'd love to hear your opinions on Simon Edmondson because I know I'm in the minority. Like I said from uh, from the beginning of the podcast, this is a hot, this is a spicy boy, uh, a spicy boy. Uh, okay, let's finish this up here. Let's finish up the episode. Number ten for Elite Prospects, Kent Johnson, uh, Chad Lucius. For Sportsnet is number 10. And for the North American ranking, Cole Sillinger. This is interesting. 
because Cole Sillinger, I you know I like him. He made the move to the USHL this year because he couldn't play in the dub. Uh, it was definitely a good move. He had a very good season. Cole Sillinger, I don't think is top ten talent, however. Um, that being said, I don't think Chaz. I think Chaz Lucius is a little bit of a uh, little little bit of a gimme here. Gimme. It's gonna be interesting though because we'll see him in Minnesota. We'll see him in the NCAA. We all know that the NCAA is definitely progressing and showing more talent than ever before. So his year in Minnesota is really going to say a lot about Chaz. Um, I think it's a little bit too much high risk to pick him at 10. That being said, though, you know, you once you get out of the top six, <laughs> that, that's essentially what you're doing. 7 to 10, I'd hate to be the person picking at 7 to 10 because there's so much risk at those picks and there's so much expectations at those picks that it's almost impossible to pick I would almost want to pick a two righty because at least I know he can play next year (laughs) Uh, or even go with the goalie because then you're like okay we got four or five years to wait on this pick so it's not going to be that as bad Um, yeah I mean seven to ten is going to be the hardest uh, picks to pick from so maybe picking Chaz Lucius is actually not going to be that bad Kent Johnson, I don't think, ends up falling to 10. But if he does, you have to pick him. Because, again, of that narrative, it's going to be quite a difficult pick at 10. Uh, Ottawa. <laughs> so, we'll see where Ottawa ends up picking. Mason McTavish is also not a possibility. Re- realistically, anybody's a possibility at 10. I don't think Owen Power is a possibility. I think he's destined to go 1 or 2. Unfortunately, uh, I would like to see a little bit more rising and falling. I think it's just more entertaining for the fans, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's going to be the top ten. Looking at the top ten from uh, two lists plus North American list. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's it's going to be good drafts. I'm always excited, even though in a weaker, se- weaker year as it is this year. Uh, as far as top potential goes, I definitely think that lies in Edmondson. And as far as overall NHL ready, you know, I, it, it really is tough to say because I don't think any of these guys should play year one. Um, I think Benny is going to end up likely playing year one just because he's going to be potentially one or two pick. And I think Owen Power is going to likely play year one. But realistically, I, I don't see any of these guys as NHL ready. I think the most NHL ready is likely uh, Owen Power. Um, we'll see though, right? It's, it's going to be a good year. Anyways, guys, this was episode one of the Iron Athletics podcast. Uh, please make sure that you guys uh, please make sure that you guys share, leave a like uh, on this episode, and uh, please let me know your thoughts and opinion on the podcast. Uh, what we should do moving forward uh you know i'd love to have some guests uh for episode two i know that this is um recorded on thursday but it's gonna be released saturday so you don't have to worry about that uh so then yeah saturday we can kind of do a weekly wrap-up like we wanted to um this this podcast was brought to you part by iron golf irongolfltd.com uh if you want to see any apparel any merchandise for iron athletics be sure to check out IronGolfLTD.com. 
we've got merchandise there we got all your uh golf equipment there and guys the whole the whole reason about that um that website is to give you guys good golfing equipment at a cut price all right we're, we're looking at the market we're looking at the prices and, and we're cutting it because we want you guys we want golf to be more affordable uh we want you guys to have a, a great time playing golf so yeah make sure you check out the boys at iron golf um the instagram handle is iron golf uh official so make sure you go check that out all right and i will see you guys on saturday sunday whenever whenever this starts picking up traction so yeah guys make sure you leave a like share this around again i don't really know how anchor works but make sure you guys uh, i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and i'll see you guys next time